everyone. It's Mike and Jay. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This, though, is one of our special edition podcasts where we get to kind of do a deep dive on a topic or on an individual. And sometimes we just don't have enough time in a regular episode. So we do occasionally, every now and again, one of these special episodes. Yeah, today we are dropping a a conversation with Matt Vaughn. Matt Vaughn is the owner of one of the coolest record stores on the planet in Seattle, called Easy Street, and he was instrumental in Record Store Day, and I had a chance to talk to him recently, and it's a lot of it's about Record Store Day, but a lot of it's about his relationship with Pearl Jam, and how Pearl Jam's album became the largest selling rock record with Record Store Day. So without further ado, here is Matt Vaughn. Let it roll. Hey, Matt. How are you, brother? I'm good. Good. I, I read the story, um, and I just thought it was so compelling, uh, just all about your relationship with Pearl Jam and their relationship with Record Store Day, um, and that headline was so cool. You know, per- Pearl Jam's giveaway top rock album for Record Store Day 2023, biggest selling rock album in Record Store Day history. Um, I'm a big yeah. fan of <laughs> Record Store Day, as you are. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to hit record and just, you know, I just want to ask you to, you know, talk about Pearl Jam and the relationship to Record Store Day and all of the support. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I mean, we've been doing Record Store Day for 15 years now and, uh, Pearl Jam has been a band for 30 years and I'd say that it took, uh, 15 years, those early years of, of, of PJ, uh, to tell us, Hey, you guys, you're making a mistake getting rid of all these records, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, nine, 1993, when verses came out, they, they put that record out on vinyl first. So you had a week, all the, all the vinyl heads could, could listen to it a week before right. uh, the CD heads. I remember. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, throughout the rest of their career, they just hear vinyl was at a 0.001% of the marketplace. And they were insisting on, on vinyl coming out. And not only that, the packaging was incredible. I mean, Jeff Amens got on to win a couple of Grammys for the uh, design mm-hmm. and packaging that he's done. Uh, not only for Pearl Jam, but he's also for the uh, Chris Cornell box set a couple of years ago. So that's been a uh, pride and joy for him. Uh, and uh, the band rallies around uh, 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 packaging and designing and releasing their vinyl. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, vinyl is final. As far as uh, we're concerned, it, you know, this is the most concrete evidence of of music being art mm-hmm. and you know some would say well you know it's not necessarily good for the environment to be selling all these records well <laughs> it's art you know you don't you don't throw away art right and you know you pass it down um not to say that urp and rti and so many of the pressing plants aren't recycling that is happening now sure. and we're going to see we're going to see more of that 
but, you know, my relationship with Pearl Jam starts with the beginning, uh, you know, before Easy Street was even born. Uh, Stone and I uh, lived around the corner from each other growing up, went to the same middle school. Uh, uh, I went to summer school at Roosevelt, which was the same school Mike went to. Uh, we'd bump into uh, each other at, at at the same keggers and, and, uh, record shops. And, and, uh, he was really good friends with my sister and, and her crew, uh, and the Friel brothers and, mm-hmm. and Danny Newcomb. Uh, and when Eddie first moved to Seattle, uh, before he, uh, you know, settled down, he, uh, I think he was roommates with Jeff for a while and was bouncing around Capitol Hill, but eventually uh, in 91, 92 or so, he, he, he got a place to live, which he still lives at, uh, the same home that he, he purchased, uh, you know, that first year or two of, of Pearl Jam. And, uh, that was in West Seattle and he didn't know anybody, you know, I mean, he was from San Diego or Chicago or whatever. He, yeah. So he didn't really have any friends, <laughs> which is funny to say, given that right. he was doing drop in the park in front of, you know, 15, 20,000 people and, yeah. and, uh, soon to be, uh, a worldwide headliner. But, uh, uh, he, he was at the, he was at the shop all the time. Uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, he even worked a, a full shift for us. Uh, and he had, throw basketball parties at his house and, and, uh, invite easy street over. And, uh, we all just became fast friends and, you know, the band has been always very curious about this, the state of not just love and trust, but the state of the industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they've been, they've always been concerned and, and, and worried about that record store community, which is what, they were born into and how they became fans. Uh, Mike himself, when, when he left Seattle, when he, when he was with his high school band shadow, they moved to Hollywood trying to make it, you know, kind of follow the guns and follow Duff. Yeah. uh, Who also went to Roosevelt high school and just kind of follow his lead and uh, try to make it in LA because, you know, you, there were a few success stories, of course, in Seattle, you know, and of course, Jimi Hendrix and the, the Sonics before that. And, right. but there, there was a struggle to do that. And there was, yeah, you know, in the case of Jimmy, you know, he had to go to the UK and go to England and then New York to finally, uh, you know, come home in 1970 right. and say, Hey guys, remember me, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Heart was, a, of course, a, a great success story, uh, and that gave us that gave us all hope that it was possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to to really make it, 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 it seemed as though you know, if you're on the West Coast, you're going to have to go to go to LA or possibly you know San San Francisco. But uh, my point being is that you know when Mike went when the band went down there you know, he got a job at Aaron's records. Mm-hmm. And so he was a record store guy, uh, while he was down there. Uh, yeah. Uh, some of the first times I remember meeting stone was, uh, 
or uh, not only in, in, in middle school, but, you know, as we got older, I would see him at record conventions and we'd be talking about different records or I would have a pop up uh, uh, and he would be at that or mm-hmm. so, you know, them talking about various pressings and record labels, they know about all of that. They're they're record nerds, mm-hmm. uh, just like you are, just like yes. I am. Yeah. And so they are fans of the format. Uh, so, you know, when they implored us all to spin the black circle, you know, in 93, right. Uh, they won a Grammy for it. Best, uh, rock, rock track. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, what that song was about is I'd rather have my vinyl than her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in love with my, I'm in love with my black circle. My black circle is my that that spins around that, that brings magic to to my life. Yeah, uh, I'd rather have this than you know this bitch that I'm dealing with over here. You know, uh, right? And yet nobody was listening to the message really. Yeah, it was. Thank you, baby. Uh, yeah, it was a great great rock track and uh, killer riff and. Mm-hmm. That's what we were hearing. Um, of course, guys like me, I'm, you know, I see what subconsciously they're trying to say. And that was, guys, people, please do not give up on this format. And eventually, as the years went on, people started to catch up. Like, yeah. you know what? They might be right about this. Yeah, and a lot of it is because of what you've done, not only at Easy Street, but with Record Store Day. It's just phenomenal to see the lines of people and the excitement uh, surrounding that. And uh, well, we were we were leading parallel lives uh, in that uh, Easy Street was. Um, we were following suit along with them. I didn't want to. I didn't want people to get rid of their records either, and. We were still buying used record collections. I was still out going to estate sales uh, back when you could get records really cheap. Mm-hmm. And the crate diggers were still out there. And uh, the record collectors were still out there. Uh, you being one of them, your yeah. brother being one of them. I Absolutely. mean, we, 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 we were all still doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, come 2005... And, uh, you know, we had a very sizable uh, record uh, selection and decent inventory. I mean, to a point where uh, I think it was in 98, 99, the Beastie Boys, you know, came to Easy Street and took it over for the night just so they could have a private shopping experience because <laughs> it was so hard to yeah. find records Amazing. in New York and, and everywhere else. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, in 2005... Uh, McCready and I uh, whipped up this fun idea of hosting a secret uh, in-store performance by Pearl Jam in my little Easy Street in West Seattle, uh, <laughs> and that was his way of, in uh, the band's way, of uh, telling me and all of these uh, record stores that just happened to be descending onto Seattle that, and I, I was hosting this convention, this summit, uh, 
because this was at a time when record stores were, I think we were down to, a, you know, close to a thousand in the, in the, in the country. I mean, mm-hmm. they were, uh, it was a dilapidated, uh, uh, industry and, uh, we were having a meeting of the minds of the record store minds of the best record retailers out there, you know, uh, music millennium and, and Waterloo mm-hmm. and, Terry Curry, Rhino, yeah. and so, yeah. and so many others. And, uh, uh, Mike and Eddie and Jeff and stone and Matt, uh, all got together with me and, uh, we, uh, had to keep this secret for a couple of months. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it was on the fourth day of the convention, you know, in the, in the, uh, schedule mm-hmm. it would it said uh easy street records uh the original easy street records uh uh free beer band will play that's all it said didn't say which on one schedule. uh it did not say which <laughs> did not say which band <laughs> the beer we knew would be rainier <laughs> of course uh, and uh I told my staff even, Hey, we're going to have a little, you know, party. Uh, we're getting rid of all the bins. Uh, we'll be remodeling, show up. Uh, it'll be fun. Band will free beer band will play. So there's 120 of these record store nerds and only, of course, only half my staff showed up. There were a couple of merchants on the block that, uh, squeezed in the door, just kind of looky loose. And up in the balcony, which is where I stored a lot of the vinyl and where my office was, it was all dark and you couldn't go up there. Well, that's where the band was. Mm-hmm. They got in there earlier. They did sound check earlier. And then we threw curtain, we threw, we threw sheets over the windows, over the gear. Yeah. Uh, at one point, uh, I think there was a guy from, uh, lose records in san diego looks under one of the sheets and sees the pearl jam logo and he's like oh my god you got this pearl jam playing and i race over and he's i can see him uh he's got a crew of 10 people or so and everyone's kind of jumping up and down like guys guys hold up no no pearl jam sells off their gear all the time this is just used equipment (laughs) nice like oh bummer and uh anyhow i run upstairs i go hey guys I think we need to, we need to make this happen. Uh, crowd's getting a little restless. They're, they're starting to talk. And, uh, Mike's got a, a flashlight in his mouth and he's, he's digging through records and, uh, Eddie's writing some lyrics down. I mean, he's just in his own world. Jeff and his, his girlfriend are hanging. I mean, everyone's just having a party up there and we're kind of forgetting that we're putting a show on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I start writing up a, a speech real quick and Eddie comes over and looks at him and he's like, and, I, and what I'm saying is essentially what I've been telling you, Hey, these guys have been on our side from the very beginning. They, you know, they will often say that without record stores, 10 would have never gotten off the ground. Uh, you know, whatever it is, I, I'm going on, I'm just waxing poetic about, what they mean to retailers and ed grabs it he's got a red pan in his hand he starts crossing everything off he's like yeah 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 we'll we'll take care we'll we'll talk about all that no 
you don't need to say anything. Just just introduce us. I was like, oh, geez. Okay. So I run down there. We hit the lights. Uh, everyone's kind of got their back turned. They're all kind of mingling about. They don't know what's about ready to happen. They have absolutely no idea. I mean, this is, they think Mustang Sally is about ready to play. They have no idea what's about ready to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then I walked in, I walked to the mic and I say, will you please welcome Matt, Stone, Jeff, Mike, and Eddie. And it takes each guy like a minute <laughs> walk down the stairs. I mean, they don't get to they don't get to the stage for another five minutes. And Ed walks. To, Ed walks, to, and the crowd is like, "What's going?" Because I don't know if I even said Pearl Jam. I, I think I just mentioned them all by their individual names. Yeah, uh, and not last names. And so the crowd's kind of like, "What's going on here?" And one by one, they're start, they walk down. And everyone's just looking at you like, what the fuck is happening right now? And Ed gets to the mic and he said, hey, guys, hey, sorry for the delay. We thought Matt would have a lot more to say. <laughs> but he, he just threw me under the bus. Of course. Uh, That's good. And, of course, then he goes on to say everything I was going to say, but he's saying it about Easy Street, which is mm. so Ed to just flip it. Uh and uh, so then they went into a barnstorming set, uh, a good two hours. Uh, and it's a legendary show, not only because it was at the smallest show they've ever done, uh, at least score footage wise, uh, and possibly even uh, attendance, you know, again, only 120 people. Uh, but also because it was a ripping set. Yeah. And we had talked to Eddie the night before because, you know, I did have to uh, remove everything out of the out of the shop as far as the bins go, right? Uh, the product as well. Um, and I, it's true, I was going to bring in new bins, so we did toss all of that, but we had to put everything in a uh, you know in a twenty four foot truck. And didn't I didn't know where to put the truck. I didn't have anywhere to put the truck. I don't have I didn't have a driveway. Right. And Ed says, Hey, just bring the he comes by the night before, he sees us loading loading everything up. And he says, Just drive it over to my place. So we had the semi truck at his house. And we get out get out of the truck and then he starts telling us, Hey, you know, we're a little nervous about this show. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, man. I mean, a bunch of record store guys. I mean, we're going to have to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. You know, I mean, he was, he was visible. He was nervous about it. And I'm like, bro, no judgment, man. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, there's only going to be 120 people there. Nobody knows what is about ready to happen. And no one has any expectations because they don't know what's happening. And... But sure enough, yeah, it was. It was just this ripping set. I mean, they do the Avengers song, they do the Dead Kennedy song. I mean, they they have John Doe there, who just happened to be in town for the convention. Oh wow! Uh, the day before, he had done a, a show at Chop Suey mm-hmm. uh, uh, along with Nancy Wilson, and uh, <clears throat> so John stuck around, knowing what was going to happen, and. Uh, 
and uh, kind of acted as their MC in a way throughout the show because he he just couldn't believe what was happening either, and he's a Pearl Jam fanatic himself. Uh, and uh, you know, one of the great inspirations for the band as well. Um, so uh, he got on stage with them. Uh, My Morning Jacket happened to be in town. They had done a uh, uh, an event for me for for the convention. They were in town with uh, Cameron Crow because they had done the soundtrack for Elizabethtown. And uh, so Jim James was there, and I recall us introducing Jim to the band, and it happened there. And then, of course, they've to this day have been great friends and have toured together. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Nancy Wilson was there. And, you know, there were a handful of other luminaries uh, in attendance. Uh, yeah. That's and. Surreal. You know, and f- so from that, uh, you know, I knew that they recorded every show, but they really record the show at Easy Street, you know? Well, they did. Uh, and Matt Cameron heard it afterwards. Uh, they played they played a song and then they played another. And Matt said, you know what? This is one of the best sounding rooms we've ever played. We should we should consider, we should consider releasing this. And that's when I started hearing these rumors that it was actually going to come out uh, on CD and uh, they wouldn't, uh, Kelly Curtis, Tim Bierman, the band themselves are like, no, we, you're, you're, we're handling all of that. And I'm a stickler for branding and, 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 you know, uh, design and, Mm-hmm. all of that i'm mean, similar to, to you and your brother too i mean i'm just yeah. I, I i get off on that and they were pushing me aside like no no and in pearl jam fashion of course uh the cover is the you know the uh, brad clausen illustration of easy street with yeah. this so cool. you know bear monster over over the shop and mm-hmm. And then they call it, you know, Pearl Jam Live at Easy Street and, uh, you know, and then the interior shots and everything else. And so it was this beautiful love letter, really, that they that they gave me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then comes another surprise, which is we are going to release it only through independent retailers. Yep. Okay, well... That had never been done before by a band of that size. Mm-mm. Never. I mean, yeah, we had done some things with uh, up-and-coming indie bands, uh, but they needed us as much as we needed them. Well, did Pearl Jam really need us? Well, they sure felt so. They sure they they felt indebted to us and felt that it was necessary. And what that did is it gave us as retailers, as independent retailers, the ones that were still standing, this uh, confidence and validation that we hadn't had ever felt from a major band before, mm-hmm. uh, let alone a, a major label. Um, we were getting pushed aside. We weren't part of the exclusive game. That was... That was uh, big box. 
that was that was the big chain stores. That was yep. the big box stores. Now all of a sudden we're in the game. Mm-hmm. We have an ex- we have an exclusive through our independent <laughs> network, and yeah. that independent network was those same boys and girls that were at the show. Yeah, those one hundred those one hundred and twenty retailers that were there. And we did have a, a coalition that we called the Coalition of Independent Music Stores. Yep. Uh, and uh, there were, I think, uh, about 60 of us as owners uh, that uh, at, at, our, at our peak. Uh, and, you know, we would, for 10 years we had been doing this. And it was such a struggle, you know, it was just all about how to stay in business, uh, not necessarily succeed, but just stay in, stay in business, sustain, survive. Yeah. And, uh, so this CD goes on to become our biggest selling CD. We sell thousands of them when it's released. Uh, but not only do we, but all of our fellow retailers, uh, around the country, and now it's starting to get over to the UK as well. Then we started thinking, you know what? We need to bring in the other stores. There's so many others that are trying to survive too. And we started to hand select and solicit for other stores to be involved. And then we helped create a couple other coalitions. Mm-hmm. And those coalitions uh, amalgamated and, and converged and became what is today Record Store Day. And Record Store Day was created in 2007. No surprise, the Pearl Jam Live at Easy Street was released in 2006. So I've been on record and, I, and, I'll, and I'll argue that Without getting that validation from the biggest rock band in the world, mm-hmm. which is another one that I love to argue, uh, this would have never happened. I don't. I just don't think that we would have had the power to get the meetings with the labels to then talk to Foo Fighters, Weezer. Metallica, mm-hmm. uh, and all the rest. Yeah. And here we are now, 2023, and who has the biggest selling rock record of all time on Record Store Day? The Pearl Jam. Yeah. 20,000 copies sold in one day. That's incredible. And a lot of that is because all of us retailers know. We know the inside story. And we will always I can walk through hell with a bucket of gasoline for each and every member of Pearl Jam. Yeah. Because of what they did back in two thousand five. And for me, what we we ran parallel and ran the relay race together since nineteen eighty eight in some cases, you know, as far as Jeff and Stone go and Mike. Uh uh and Matt and Ed doing his thing too. I mean <laughs> I was recently at his house. I was surprised I was shocked how many records he had. That's good. Years to hear. ago years, years ago he 
uh, sold me a bunch of records for credit, of course. And uh, <laughs> right. I, I thought that was all his records. I thought he was getting out of it. That was years ago, and I was, remember being surprised by that. And I asked him, oh, I thought you sold me all those. He goes, no, man, those are my dupes. Wow. <laughs> he said, I ain't selling my records, you kid. Yeah. yeah. That's good to hear. It sounds yeah. like, you know, you're in their DNA um, and vice versa. And yeah, they gave you a, a seat at the table, so to speak, and gave you credibility. Um, but I think it would have happened anyway. But man, it, it sure helped to have uh, Pearl Jam uh, behind all of that. And I can't tell you how uh, excited we are about Record Store Day when it comes around. And we talk about it on the podcast a lot. And we can't wait to line up. But I just love seeing it grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, you know, with things like Taylor Swift and Metallica and some of these things that are, I mean, it's a beast and it's global and that didn't happen by accident. Well, and I think one reason why you see 20,000 copies sell on, uh, on give way is simply that there, the demand is so high and there's more stores now. Yeah. So there we were in 2005 having that convention with, you know, a, a thousand stores or so. And now we're up to four, 5,000 in the country now. Amazing. And that's only growing. Uh, and that, that, and that's happening worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, this has been so great talking with you. I can't wait to share this with our, our listeners and uh yeah thanks for thanks for uh reaching out to me and good talking to you again. yeah good talking with you too and i'll uh see you uh next time i'm in west seattle visiting my brother <laughs> right on all right jay all right thanks man have a great day all right. Take care. Bye-bye.